I want to take you back to the 90s. Well, 1998 to be specific. Then through 2003, but we're going to focus on 1998 right now. It was the before times, before Trump, before COVID, and then several months before the Phantom Menace. Little Andrew was being taken to the local McDonald's by one of his parents in mid-October, let's say. And that's when I saw something. Something so awe-inspiring. The McRib was back. Oh, and this VHS was for sale. A cartoon based off of my favorite corporate mascot created specifically to get me to buy more hamburgers and fries? The very things that are probably going to cause my heart to give out by 50? I need that shit. So I got it, and over the next few years, got all but one of the following five installments. And today, I'm going to look at all six installments of the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. Now let's play some B-roll that hopefully doesn't get this taken down, while I briefly talk about the history of these videos. Produced between 1998 and 2003, there were six straight to VHS episodes? Movies? Specials? Adventures? Eh, marketing gimmicks. Whatever you want to call them. They were produced by the animation studio that I most associate with the 90s and early 2000s, Klasky Chupo. You know, the makers of Rugrats, Ah Real Monsters, Duckman, Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, As Told by Ginger. Oh, and the first two seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah, isn't it crazy the people who gave us the innocence of Tommy Pickles also animated this? A long-lost half-brother, how Dickensian. So, any idea where this bastard lives? Burp! Whose parents aren't married, are they? It's the correct word, isn't it? I guess he's got his dare. Bastard, 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 bastard. Though considering all of Duckman, I suppose it's not that crazy in retrospect. Anyways, these specials also had the talents of Mark and Bob Mothersbaugh, Mothersburg, the Devo guys. Composing all those earworm songs I'm sure our parents loved listening to on repeat every time we rewatch these things. It also had the voice talents of Charlie Adler as the Hamburglar, essentially doing his voice of Ickes from Ah Real Monsters, Pamela Alden, Dee Bradley Baker, and Christine Cavanaugh in what would end up being her final role as the voice of Birdie, who, side note, looks like a leftover model from Duckman. So with this much 90s talent, how could you go wrong? I mean, they didn't, or at least I don't think they did. I've rewatched them a few times in adulthood, and while they don't hold up nearly as well as Klasky Chupo's other products, I still think they have a certain charm to them. But is it an actual quality, or just nostalgia? Well, I think I have a perfect way to test that out. Remember how I said I missed one? Well, I had a good reason. The last video, The Monster O' McDonald Land Lock, I'll try and say that five times fast, was released exclusively on Klasky Chupo's website. A fact of 2003 me did not know, so I never saw it as a kid or as an adult. Well, until now. So I'm going to rewatch the five I grew up with, overly analyze them, of course, and then rate them on a five-star scale. After I've done that, I'll watch the final one for the first time ever, and with a mostly nostalgic-free look, see if it's as good as the rest of them. Anyways, on to the one that started it all, Scared Silly, released on October 9th, 1998. Now, I will admit, this one was my favorite growing up, so I'm a little biased. And given its vaguely Halloween theme, it's easily the one I watched the most. Anyways, the adventure opens up with Ronald planning a camping trip for his friends. We have the typical McDonald characters of Grimace, Birdie, Hamburglar, and new characters like his cynical talking dog named Sunday. Man, you gotta get some stairs. And this random young girl. Thanks for having me along, Ronald. I've always wanted to go camping in Far Flung Forest, but I've always been too afraid. 
Uh, McDonald's, are we sure we want to normalize kids getting into a clown car to go on a camping trip? You know, now that I think about it, McDonald's always has had that weird, hey kids, go with the adult dressed like a clown message in their products. He's good, but I think he's missing something. McDonald's wishes you a holiday season spent with the people who make you smile. Yeah. So anyways, this is Tika. I'm assuming an attempt at giving kids a, hey, I can relate to that character. How popular was she? Well, she only appeared in one more of these things, so don't get attached. So Ronald calls them all up, and for whatever reason, we see them as CGI renderings. Man, the 90s can be creepy. And they all agree to go camping with him. Now this is where we get the animated portion of the special. And I have to give them props here. Because as part of Ronald's animated design, they made his hair stand up a bit. You know, being spiky. Which does really look good with the classy Chupo style. Now they show the live action Ronald going into the slide before turning animated. And I always thought this was a nice little reference at how sliding down those tubes would build up a static charge that would often make your hair stand up. Just a neat little touch that I appreciate as an adult now. Well, along with the characters we've already seen Ronald fight, we also see the arrival of the McNugget Buddies and the Fry Guys. Don't know why they didn't get a phone call, and were they even invited? Eh, whatever. Anyways, they set off. And what, you may ask? Well, a sarcastic talking car that hates its job slash existence. Hold on a minute, I'm carrying all of you? You're the car? Well, don't blame me when I sprain an axle. Also, if the car's alive, does Ronald have control over it? Or is the steering wheel just decorative? Who's really doing the driving here? Now here's where we get the video's first song, and by god this thing is catchy. Even though it's been years, I can still remember every word of this song. Maybe because there are so few words. There's, There's nothing, nothing like, like the great outdoors, our farm forest is the best of us to work. If you want to get close to the green, 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 Now, I have no idea why they put this little effort into the first real song. Maybe Mark and Bob, you know, forgot they had another song in here and they wrote this in a minute and was like, fuck it, just repeat it a few times. That's good. Come on, you were in Devo. You can do better than this. Now, I do have to say with one very notable exception, which we'll get into, the rest of the music in these specials is very catchy and does offer more variety. The background music is also very jaunty and reminiscent of their work on Rugrats, so I can't completely discount the music in this. It's just a very awkward first step. So after the song is done, they get to the woods and Tika is acting hella suspicious, dropping walkie-talkies and shit. Oh, yes, well, I brought this walkie-talkie in case we split up. We could stay in touch, but oh darn it, where's that other one? Like, how are you going to lose any of these colorful freaks out here? Anyways, we then get our next song called Time to set, 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 set up camp. Okay, fine, they repeat words a lot, but this time it felt fine. When finished, we see Sunday being, you know, a dog, and going to chase. And he's stopped by a giant Rambo-looking squirrel. Like, look at it, he's taller than Ronald. He has camo pants on and a headband. Why does the squirrel have camo pants and a headband? Is McDonald next door to fucking Chernobyl? We're approaching the power plant. Soon, though, the group begins telling scary stories to each other when a sudden thunderstorm approaches, forcing him to take shelter in a nearby creepy mansion. This is where the Halloween aspect comes in. 
Yeah, remember this one was released at Halloween time? It's called Scared Silly. Look at the box art again. It's spooky scary. But up until now, it's been downright pleasant, if not a wacky camping trip. Now in the mansion, they encounter a creepy floating head named Franklin, which is a cross between the Wizard of Oz's menacing persona and that weird, where did you learn to fly thing from that Cybermorph game. Anyways, Franklin begins to test the group with various traps, and while they are pretty basic, they do begin whittling the group down one by one. But meanwhile, Ronald is all cool and collective as his friends are fucking disappearing to God knows where. Oh look, more of my friends are potentially dead, but not gonna let that get me down. But uh, da da da, I'm loving it. What a piece of shit, Ronald. You're abandoning your friends to these traps, and oh, you think you're good at them? Oh yeah, let's see if you can do a crossover the Saw universe. I wanna play a game. Yeah, Ronald, try and remove that reverse bear trap off your head by finding a key somewhere in fucking Grimace's intestines and see if you can fucking remain calm. Wes, calm down. It's only the first McDonald's VHS tape. Should've done the Bionicle 2 commentary. Yeah, sorry, I, I don't know what came over me. You know, maybe I should stop doing this and we could review Scooby-Doo Goes to Hollywood together. What? I can't hear you. I'm going through a tunnel. Yeah, a tunnel. What was that? Hamburglar? I can't hear anything you're saying. You goddamn cowards! So the special ends with it all being revealed that the evil floating head was just a projection of a young boy named Franklin, who was friends with Tika. Yep, Tika was in on it the whole time, and I guess the McNuggets were? I, I don't know why they were, but they were. Without these pathetic nuggets, you never would have been able to lure Ronald here in the first place. Their plan was to lure Ronald and his friends here so they could have fun solving mysteries. Okay. They befriend Franklin and all is forgiven. Though Tika does disappear for a while after this, so maybe her treachery isn't forgiven. Hm. Anyways, the credits roll. Despite all the nitpicking, this really was my favorite growing up. And of the five I've seen, still is my favorite. I just noticed how things could have been better. Mostly from the first half with the camping segment. I mean, for what's basically a Halloween special, the first half is noticeably missing any Halloween vibes. I feel the inciting incident should have been the McDonald's gang is going trick-or-treating. Give had them all in funny costumes. Heck, even make them look like some of the toys they had back in the day. Tika could still be setting them up by taking them to a haunted house. Let's say because it's so spooky, no one has ever been brave enough to get the candy in years. That could be the mother load. Or, you know, something like that. As for the two other songs they need to redo, well, maybe just another pass over the Far Fung Forest song, you know. But instead of some of the pleasantness, they can talk about creepy things. You know, instead of flowers and squirrels, bats and wolves. Fish and frogs, witches and fog. Caves and rocks, well, caves are scary enough. And how about graves? Make it rhyme. Uh, lots of logs, uh, I don't fucking know. I'm not a songwriter. I've gotten you halfway there. As for the set-up camp song, well, I say we make the far-flung forest song the second one. They're walking through the forest to get to the creepy haunted house. That's now the second song. As for the first song, you could just recycle one of the songs from a cassette tape that they released several years prior called What Am I Gonna Be For Halloween? What am I gonna be for Halloween? Gonna dress up but you can't decide. Should I be something frightful or something more delightful? Make people laugh or make them run and hide? Oh, I could be scary. Or pretty. Or the silliest thing they've seen. Oh, what am I gonna be for Halloween? Quibbles aside, this was an enjoyable little Halloween video, but I think a strong way to kick off the series. 
Overall, I give it four out of five Tikas. Oh yeah, I'm going to do a wacky rating system. Deal with it. The second installment, Legend of Grimace Island, doesn't have any of the quote-unquote plot issues of the last one, but this is a death by a thousand cuts of very weird decisions. So we open up on Grimace telling Ronald about his family on the long-lost Grimace Island. Dear Grimace, we need your help. You're our only uh -huh. hope. Save us, please. There's a treasure if you do. Signed, all the Grimaces of Grimace Island. Grimace Island? Yeah, it's the original home of all the world's Grimaces. Oh, a great big island that's been lost for hundreds of years. The rest of the group is then informed about the island, but this is where the first weird moment is. See how Bertie and Hamburglar react to the island of Grimaces and a lost treasure. You guys, Grimace needs our help. He just got a letter asking him to save an island full of Grimaces with a treasure on it. Treasure? Island? Yeah, it's weird that the character whose sole purpose and character trait is being a criminal is in no way excited by treasure. I mean, I guess if it was a hamburger-based treasure, but that's just silly. So now it's time to reintroduce the rest of the characters again. We have Grimace, Birdie, Hamburglar, and new friend Franklin. Sorry, Tika, you've already been replaced. The Fry Guys are completely absent, and, you know, spoilers, they never show up again, which is weird. But we soon see the McNugget Buddies who are back, teaming up with a scheming pirate and her henchmen to steal the Grimace's treasure. Jesus, what is it with these little fucking traitors always teaming up against Ronald all the time? Though since McNuggets are sentient in this world, and presumably are still food on the McDonald's menu, eh, I guess vague treachery is better than genocide. Never mind. Once out to sea, we hear the legend of Grimace Island, and oh boy, it's a whopper, I mean Big Mac. Well, you see, once upon a time, bunches and bunches of oodles of years ago, there was Grimace Island. Uh, it was a happy place. A place where no one fought nor uh, yelled or invited yellow ducks to come dance with them at the Grimace Festival. You see, while now a lost civilization, Grimace Island used to be a well-known location. You know, like Cleveland, I guess. That was rich with treasure. Okay, maybe not like Cleveland after all. And given the Grimace's good nature and self-described cowardice, a nearby tribe raided the island and stole all the treasure, except for their most treasured treasure which was safely hidden. Now, before I actually show the other Islanders, I just want to remind you, this is just barely over 21 years old. This wasn't made in the 40s or the 50s. So, well, here's what they look like, and goodbye monetization on this, I guess. Well, one day, people came to the island and were mean to the friendly grimaces. Uh, they heard about the grimace treasure and knew that Grimaces were not very brave. So the mean people took the treasure away from the Grimaces uh, and never came back. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's pretty bad. And this is where my only major change to this special can fix this problem. We never see these villagers again. They receive no punishment for stealing, which is weird for a kid story, and in no way impact the rest of it. See, what I think we should have done is had the badass pirate ladies steal all the treasure. See, this shows how she already knows about the island, makes her defeat at the end seem more important, and it shows she's a real threat. We've already seen that she's won in the past. Also, it makes her desire for the lost treasure more personal. She can't believe she missed it. She craves it now. But, yeah, you could have also done this, too, I suppose. 
As the crew continues on, it comes up again that the island is now lost, and Grimace is depressed that he can't remember where it is. Only to remember he has a map, like, a second later. Seriously, I didn't edit this. Sorry, everybody. Uh, I don't know where Grimace Island is. I guess I'm not a very good Grimace, am I? Maybe we should go home now, Captain Ronald? Poor Grimace. Hey, what's that in your pocket, Grimace? Oh, nothing. Oh, that's just a magic map my great-great-grandmother Winky Grimace gave me. I guess that's one way of padding on a few extra seconds, just make Grimace dumber. Shortly after the map, weirdness, Hamburglar is almost pulled off the ship while fishing. It's not really important to the plot. I just like bringing it up because why the fuck are you fishing? Look at all those goddamn hamburgers. There's gotta be like a hundred plus of them. Just eat those. Oh, and also at some point, Grimace's turned into a surfboard that Ronald rides, and they do a parody of 60s beach blanket bingo movies. It easily the best part of the episode. The coolest cat, <laughs> Oceanside. Go, go, Ronald, take that ride. I'm a surfing king, I can do about anything. Well, this is cool. Back to more weirdness, though. At one point, they're attacked by a giant squid, and I just have to say, due to the quality of the rip and the animation, when somebody's biting the one tentacle and he's waving his tail back and forth, I thought that was blood spraying. So, in addition to being incredibly racist, I thought this was just gory. But no, it's just racist. Anyways, they get to the island, beat the pirates, and I like how it's revealed here that their peg legs and eye patches are solely decorative. I'll give you anything! Anything you want! Uh, here! Here's my eye patch! How would you like his wooden legs? We end the episode with the McDonald's gang watching some of Grimace's home movies, which consists of just several live-action Grimace costumes, in different costumes, representing him, his parents, and grandparents, which has disturbing implications since all the other Grimaces are different looking, but hey, I don't want to see Grimaces in the attic, so I shut it off here. Overall, while having less plot issues than Scared Silly, I think the special's greatest sin is it's, it's pretty boring. Outside the beach blanket bingo slash Grimace surfboard sequence, the racist caricatures, and the home movies at the end, this is the one I remembered least about. It left the weakest impact of the five, so all in all, it's getting only two out of five Grimace surfboards. Released three months later on April 23rd, 1999, we get the third installment of the series, Visitors from Outer Space. Now, when I was a kid, I was lukewarm on this one. I liked it better than Grimace Island and, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, others, but I just wasn't wild about this one. Maybe because I wasn't into sci-fi, aliens, any of that stuff, who knows. But as an adult now, I can see it's dramatically risen in the rankings. The episode opens with Ronald detailing the McDonaldland response to the arrival of aliens, in which he'll be notified of a sighting on a super duper important video watch that we've never seen before, after, or even during this special come to think of it. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. So Hamburglar alerts Ronald to the presence of aliens, which kickstarts the alert system across McDonaldland. Is the military mobilized? Nope, just Ronald and his friends. So the gang is now assembled, this time sans both Franklin and Tika, and prepare for the aliens' arrival. How, you may ask? Well, by playing a song to welcome our new friends, of course. Goddamn hippies. Oh, aliens, we welcome thee. Yes, we with our McDonald's symphony. Hey, with voices full and hearts to smile. 
course, this is just another one of Hamburglar's schemes to steal all the hamburgers. Yeah, stealing hamburgers. Remember his sole character trait? Yeah, we haven't actually seen any of that in these specials. Well, shockingly, aliens do happen to show up right as this happens and excellently trick Hamburglar into going on a vacation with them. The vacation sounds just great. Done deal! How long will I be gone for? Just one Kremlin. Oh, good! Which is 3,000 of your Earth years. What? At first, Sunday is way too happy to have one of his friends kidnapped. Bye, leader. Catch you whenever. But soon the group realizes how bad the situation actually is and how much they need the Hamburglar. Hey, Hamburglar, we're coming through for you. Hang on, buddy. Here we come. Hey, Hamburglar, we're coming through for you. Hold on. Remember, guys, this place wouldn't be the same without him. I guess you're right. Oh, yeah, he's totally irreplaceable. Unlike Tika and Franklin and the Fry Guys. Fucking traitors. So the group decides to go rescue Hamburglar, and we see their spaceship is modeled after one of those old McDonald Land play places. Again, love the attention to detail. So now we get to the part that elevates this episode so much for me. The whole segment in space is just a visual wonderland. Klasky Chupo really got creative with all the aliens, situations, and whatnot the gang comes across here. The one thing weird I'll point out is, at one point the spaceship gets covered in ice cream, because of course it does. And then this happens. Uh, this rocket's kind of messed up, Ronald. Uh, what are we gonna do? We'll do this. I am hungry. Thanks for the help. I am hungry. Uh, that was weird. As a kid, I had no idea what the hell that thing was. Well, it was a reference to a commercial from the year earlier in 1998 that I somehow never saw. I am hungry. Look. Who's that? I am hungry. What? See that? No, no, no. I am hungry. Oh, that's his name. It's weird that he's included, because from what I can tell, it was only the one commercial that this character appeared in. I don't know. Maybe they were hedging their bets that he would appear more. I don't know. Meanwhile, on the spaceship, the Hamburglar gets a taste of his own medicine and gets pranked multiple times by the aliens and wants to go home. Rescue me, cause that's what friends are for. Rescue me, it's not fun anymore. Rescue me, don't you love a good prank? Rescue me, not right now to be frank. Rescue me, a Ronald if you're near. Rescue me, somebody get me out of here. Well, a bunch of hijinks ensue, and the aliens agree to let him go, and we all live happily ever after, now knowing that we're no longer alone in the universe. All in all, this is a really solid episode. Like I said, maybe even the best one. It beats out the other two previous installments in three categories. One, the story and theme is cohesive the entire time, unlike Scared Silly. Aliens in space is what we're promised, and aliens in space is what we get. Two, unlike The Legend of Grimace Island, this one's more memorable and has a lot of great visuals. Three, the story has a moral that is well done, unlike the friendship, eh, and scared silly, and be brave, but not by much more, in The Legend of Grimace Island. While scared silly is still my personal favorite, I can see the merits of this one being the best one so far. I give it five out of five I Am Hungries. Now, as mentioned, the first three of these came out in a short span of time, a little over six months when all is said and done, which, as a little kid, I enjoyed, but... 
maybe they should have tried spacing them out a little bit because it would be almost two years before we got the next release. So here's probably the best time to talk about the differences across the, I guess, two trilogies, so to speak. First, a pretty big difference. Jack DePecky, who played Ronald McDonald from 1991 to 1999, was replaced with Dave Hussey, who played Ronald from 2000 to 2014. A different Ronald? Well, it didn't really bother me back then. I didn't notice, certainly, and even now I have a hard time telling the difference between actors, so it's passable. The true difference with these later entries is that the intro and framing device were far different compared to the one that came before it. The intro for the first three is an upbeat pop song of Ronald getting ready with the help of a puppet Sunday that I've been trying to avoid showing because, by God, is it creepy. Fun fact, though, about the Sunday puppet, apparently in the first one, he's played by Vern Troyer. Go figure. The theme was an upbeat song about the coming adventure that would get you into the mood for the episode. Getting even cooler, step into a new beat. Got a tingling inside me and it's spreading to my feet. McDonald land is changing. Everything is rearranging. I can't sit still because it's a beautiful day. And Ronald McDonald's got something to say. The new theme song, however, is Ronald singing in various costumes to a still catchy song, but nowhere near as upbeat as the original. The wacky adventures of Ronald McDonald. Hey kids, did you hear the news? Time to put on your adventure shoes. Get ready for some big surprises. Adventures come in lots of sizes. We'll have fun. Be is sure contagious. Come on, Hamburglar, Bertie Grimace, too. I want you all with me, and that includes you. On the way to play. On the run for fun. Going miles for smiles. Come on, everyone. We never know. No, no, no. What's around the bend? But we just can't wait. Adventures are great with all our friends. Let me hear you. The next difference is by far the biggest change we have seen to this series, the framing device. In the first three, the story is depicted as occurring that day. Ronald starts off, does a little banter, hops into the animated world, adventure happens, adventure concludes in live action. Now it begins with Ronald doing something, and something reminds him of an old adventure. Then he has a gimmick to start the cartoon, and then comes back to live action Ronald wrapping up the story. It's still fun, but it loses a little bit of the dynamic energy we got with the original series. You know, it felt like that every day was an adventure in McDonald land. You know, like the much better song implied. Now it seems like his adventure days are behind him. He's wistfully remembering the good old days. But seriously, other than an occasional off-screen voice, he doesn't interact with anyone else, and it's almost like he's an elderly shut-in or has chased everyone away from him. No one wants to think about a sad clown in isolation. God, that's depressing. <laughs> So enough with all these technical differences and sad backstories that I'm crafting. Are the cartoons any different? Well, let's find out. Released on March 30th, 2001, Birthday World seems to have the worst reputation of the bunch, and it's not hard to see why. So we open up on Ronald's birthday, and all of his friends are preparing a surprise party for him. Oh yeah, Tika's back, by the way. 
Anyways, the group meets up in the park and they all have various terrible gifts for Ronald. Oh, wow, guys, I had no idea. Happy birthday, Ronald. I made this just for you. Oh, Bertie, this is one of the nicest, uh... Hats! Hats I've ever seen. I wrote a poem for you. <clears throat> his claws are striped, his feet are large, his nose is cherry red. My friend, his name is Ronald, not Dwayne or Sven or Ned. How many verses are there, anyhow? Uh, 27. Ronald, I got you some silly glasses. <laughs> Neat. I built you your own Ronald toy. <laughs> cool! I made you something dear to my heart. Sunday, you're the best. Hey, we worked out a special dance for you. Hit it! <laughs> now who says McNuggets don't have rhythm? Except for Hamburglar, who was having trouble finding a gift. Instead of stealing one like his name slash occupation would imply, this weirdo shows up. Yeah, look at this guy. How's he the weirdest looking character in the entire series? Anyhow, he gives Hamburglar free passes to the new theme park, Birthday World, that is in no way shady or suspicious at all. So the group goes to the theme park and then this happens. <laughs> Talk about a captive audience. Birthday World, brought to you by North Korea. Somehow the group decides this isn't ominous and decides to press on with their day. They soon find out that all the rides are actually terrible and sing a song about it. These rides aren't funny, they were built by a hack. If I paid money, I'd ask for it back. We don't want to stay here anymore. Never had a birthday like this before. Which in retrospect is the first really negative song in the series. So way to go, birthday world. It broke Ronald's spirit. After experiencing all the terrible rides, the evil scientist, which is what I'm going to call him from now on, I don't think he has a name and I don't care to rewatch it to find out, lures the group onto a roller coaster, which is badass, but for some reason now the McDonald's gang doesn't like being on a cool ride. And solid steel restraints. Yippee, the ride of our lives! <laughs> That's a bad thing. Then they should rename it. You let us out of here this minute! Sorry, no can do. Happy birthday, Ronald! Everybody just hang on! You can't make up your minds, can ya? Now remember when Scared Silly, how the first song repeated multiple times and how annoying that was? Well, this song does it but even worse. Stop, stop, stop. I want to get off this ride. I close my eyes, but I'm too scared to blink. I'd like to fly, get away from that creepy guy. Cause anywhere else I'd rather be. <laughs> yeah, they reuse the animation and even just straight up the same vocal tracks. At least with the Far Flung 4 song, it's different animation and different audio takes. Anyways, the evil scientist now finally, you know, does something evil. So the McDonald's gang is all now transformed into toddlers, and in the case of Franklin and Tika, babies. Due to them being toddlers, they can now escape their restraints and flee. Now, I just want to break down why this makes zero sense. Why even build all this? What was the point of the other rides? Why did they suck? Apparently, you're pretty talented at building stuff. 
You could have made a theme park that was pretty cool and lure more people in. What was the point? Whatever, let's wrap this up. So they all use Ronald's garbage gifts, blow up the machine, and get back to normal. Weirdly, they age forward while the evil scientist ages backwards. Shouldn't he have just aged forward into dust like the bad guy in The Last Crusade? Eh, whatever. Yeah, so this one earns its bad rating and is easily the worst one of the bunch. I, I just can't imagine how it could get worse. The plot is incoherent, even for something that's made for young kids, and recycles animation in a way that would make Hanna-Barbera say, What the hell? What a misstep to the beginning of a relaunch of the franchise. I just wish this was the rare Lost one, because Lost is what it deserves to be. I give it zero baby Sundays out of five. Seven months later, on October 19th, 2001, we would see the release of Halftime Will Travel, which more than makes up for the failure of the previous birthday world. Now, my all-time favorite movie was, and still is, Back to the Future, so the idea of this one had me pumped. Imagine the potential of Ronald McDonald's time machine. Will he stop the Kennedy assassination? Kill Hitler? Keep Raycroft from screwing over the McDonald brothers? Only time will tell. Anyways, the group goes to visit Franklin, who must clean up his father's laboratory as part of his chores. Being the nice friends they are, the group pitches in. Uh, guys, I think I found something interesting. Wow. What is it? What is it? Oh, that's just my dad's time machine. Time machine? As in machine? That travels through time? I'm not allowed to mess with my dad's experiments. Besides, I promised I'd get this place cleaned up by the time he came home. So let's get cracking. But don't you see? With the time machine, we can jump a few hours into the future and have all the chores behind us. I mean, you never did the chores. It would just be later. That's all you're accomplishing. But okay, Hamburglar, whatever. Unfortunately, the machine malfunctions and sends the group back to prehistoric times and also changes their clothes. Yeah, that's the weird thing about this one. Each time period they go to, the machine makes period-accurate clothing. Which, if they had, like, a line about a wacky wardrobe maker, I could buy. But this is just ridiculous. Side note, why is Krimis wearing clothes now? Shortly after arriving, they meet their ancestors, I guess? Rumfold. Rumfold? Yeah, they all look identical. Yeah, and you thought Grimace Island had weird implications of incest. Also... I want to show you this fake news that they're trying to portray in this show. Check this out. Oh, that time machine is messed up. It's got people and dinosaurs living at the same time. That's not how it was. Yeah, I think a little documentary called The Flintstones would beg to differ. So the group sings a song about, despite all the differences between them and their caveman ancestors, they do actually have a lot in common. You know, like corporate branding. Joking aside, I think this is one of the best written songs of the series. It's a nice little lesson to the kiddos at home about befriending people who look only like you. Wait a minute. We're not so different after all. <laughs> We're both big. We're both small. We're both short. And we're both tall. We're not so different after all. Anyways, the group does have a problem. Their time machine was eaten by a T-Rex, so how are they going to get it back? Well, let's see what Ronald's plan is. Okay, everyone, hop on! Your plan is to be eaten alive? What if the T-Rex chews you? What if he doesn't like giant hamburgers? Is this really the best idea you could come up with? Come on, man, you're slipping. Surprisingly, that works, and the group is then sent to medieval times. They're attacked by a group of knights, and Ronald does this to protect the group. 
Well, it doesn't work, and Bertie is soon kidnapped, being forced to perform for a child king. If she fails to entertain him, she's going to be his dinner. Now that's dark, eating a sentient creature like that. Though again, McNuggets are also alive. And hey, where are they now that I'm thinking about it? Man, McDonald Land is messed up. Of course, through some physics-bending trickery, they save Birdie, and our group is off on to the next time. Before we get into that, though, I just want to highlight this one joke. This is not good. You can say that again. This is not good. Uh, I knew I was going to do that. No reason. Again, just made me chuckle. They always have at least one of these that I find funny. Now they're in the Wild West, and they find that Hamburglar's ancestor looks identical to him. He looks just like you, Hamburglar. Only not. As handsome. Henry H. Burglar II. What? Well, that's my great-great-granddaddy! So anyways, Mad Dog Hamburglar. Yeah, I think people will get the Back to the Future 3 reference. Yeah, of course, it's everyone's favorite movie. What, you mean everyone hates that one? They're fucking morons. Anyways, he's wanted by the townsfolk, and now they mistake Hamburglar for him. Now here's a small thing I think is a misstep. We never actually meet Hamburglar's ancestor here, just see him in the wanted poster. And you know, outside the prehistoric segment, we don't even see any more ancestors across it. Could have led to some fun moments, or just some life lessons along the way. Maybe Hamburglar sees where crime can lead you. Just a thought. Anyways, now low on fuel, Ronald gets the idea of using his McDonald's patch as a way of determining where the machine goes, though they're not home quite yet. Now in the 70s, we see the McDonaldland disco, which shows Mayor McCheese, who was created in the 70s, so a nice touch. But hold the phone. Something is off with this disco party. Where's all the cocaine? Why aren't people shit-faced? Where's all the casual, guilt-free sex? That's not my 70s. Besides not doing Saturday Night Fever McDonaldland, there's just one thing I have to bring up again. Again, Grimace is wearing clothes when he normally doesn't. It's just a weird thing I've now noticed. With the exception of the prehistoric Grimace, every other Grimace we have seen in this franchise is wearing some form of clothing, except for him. At what point did he decide to go nude on a permanent basis? Why is no one talking about this? Why is it just me that's concerned? Anyways, we completely ignore the low on fuel aspect, and the group is able to make it back to the present. Now on a time crunch, they must hurry to clean. Though when an accident causes the lab to become dirty, look what happens. Cleaning up the lab, we're cleaning up the lab. We'll scrub those beakers, get them so clean they'll squeak like sneakers. We'll dust and mop from bottom to top. We've had our fun, now there's work to be done. You mean Ronald could have used his magic to clean the entire time? This whole adventure, which was already built on a pretty flimsy idea of how to clean, was completely pointless. They all could have died, Ronald. You could have died. You are such a shitty friend. No wonder why all these other people just keep disappearing. They're fucking abandoning you. That's why you're alone in this segment. You're a toxic friend. So anyways, this episode ends with Franklin's dad arriving and offering to take them on a trip in his time machine, which the group wisely turns down. Now, they could have at least warned him about all the kinks in it and how it's low on fuel. Now, I'm assuming Franklin's dad is lost in time and Franklin was sent to an orphanage. Or at least that's my headcanon for why he's not in the last special. Now, this one is a big step up from the mess that was Birthday World. The songs were nice. The designs of the different outfits, if albeit a little confusing, were nicely done. The only real drawbacks was I think the Western and disco eras were a bit rushed, and I feel the opportunity of meeting other incarnations was wasted. 
Regardless, it's still one of the strongest contenders and an all-around great adventure. I give this 4 out of 5 prehistoric Ronalds. So this would be the last McDonald adventure I would see as a child. Now I knew what to expect going back into this. My views have changed a little over the years, but I'm not really sure if it's the nostalgia blinding me or if they're good. So now let the real test commence. For the first time in almost 20 years, I'm going to watch a brand new, to me at least, Wacky Adventure of Ronald McDonald. I'm sold already. So we open with Ronald in potentially culturally appropriated clothing, which, given the series history, can go bad. So let's move on. Ronald talks about seeing monsters when this happens. Or has anyone ever told you they saw a monster and you didn't believe them? Oh boy, did we learn our lesson. There it is, Ronald the monster! What? I thought you said there was a monster behind me. Monster! There it is, Ronald! One, is that Godzilla? And the more important question is, who is this mystery voice? Is it supposed to be us? Is it one of the kids at home? Then why is it the voice of an adult? She's not a character. Is this just a prisoner that Ronald keeps locked up somewhere? It rubs the Szechuan sauce on the skin or it gets the hose again. It's just a weird thing to introduce in the last one of these. Anyways, the adventure kicks off with the arrival of the usual gang, again, minus Franklin Ortega for the second time. And the gang is off to the McDonald Land lock to honor a dedication of a statue of Sunday's grandfather. Clowns rule McDonald Land and dogs rule McDonald Land lock. Why not? So how are they going to get there, you ask? How is it you always whistle when I'm in the middle of a shampoo? Oh yay, the sarcastic talking car is back. Though since it's clearly driving itself, does that mean Ronald doesn't drive? Why with the steering wheel pen? We get our first song, which includes this line. When you're in the car, there's a lot to see. The big glass building. And the embassy. Embassy? To where? What are the geopolitics of this hellscape of a world? The embassy shows Mayor McCheese. Is he the ambassador? I thought he was the mayor of McDonald Land. But the main thing I want to bring up is this. When you're in the car, you see the greenery. The whole wide world is scenery. Going on a car trip, a very far trip. We'll watch the world go by. Under the clear blue sky, we're going on a car trip. There's the far flung the little nod to where it all began when you add in the road trip angle in the car it's almost like they knew this was going to be the last outing and themselves were a little nostalgic for the franchise during the drive we get the heavy-handed foreshadowed lesson of this one don't snitch but then i also thought birdie would keep quiet about my irrational fear of duckies so hey finally birdie gets a spotlight adventure i guess you could only have the hamburglar learning not to be a shitty person or take shortcuts so many times so I wonder what secret she'll be struggling to keep. Now here's where the main plot kicks in. As the title of the tape would imply, there's a Loch Ness-like monster living in McDonald Land Lock, but there's no actual proof for it. The crazy thing, though, is Hamburglar doesn't believe it's real at all. Some say it exists, but no one's ever been able to prove it. <laughs> Who'd be dumb enough to believe that? Like what? Your best friend is a giant fucking bird talking chicken nuggets and where the hell Grimace is. Why is this where you draw the line? You've met aliens. Also, Hamburglar makes this joke. You know, I believe in that sea monster. 
And I believe you're one patty short of a Big Mac. Again, just a funny joke I wanted to show. One for tape. They now must cross the water in- Wait, the car can turn into a boat? Why didn't you use them to get to Grimace Island? This is actually a gripe I now have watching this one. He could have been in the special a lot more. Could have made him the spaceship in the third one. Have him age backwards in birthday world. You know, turning him into a little tyke's car. You could have even made him into the time machine in the last one. There are so many missed opportunities. Anyways, they sing another song and the Hamburglar says this. Monsters aren't real. It's just a bold story. Aren't real? The last time you were at sea, a giant octopus attacked you. What is your deal, you lying sack of McShit? Anyhow, they arrive at the lock, meet Sunday's relatives, and all agree to go looking for the monster. Meanwhile, the McNuggets find these two scientists who build a robot monster to try and trick everyone into thinking they found the real monster so they can collect the prize money. Our creation is coming along beautifully. By the time we're finished with it, everyone will believe we found the monster of McDonald and Lock. Don't worry, though, this is the B story, so we're really not going to pay attention to this. Anyways, Bertie comes across the monster who can surprisingly talk. Ow! You got my hair! Painful! Not as bad as a paper cut, but it hurts! Though given everything talks in this world, maybe it would be more of a surprise if he couldn't talk. He begs her not to reveal that she's found him because he knows that the town views him as a monster and he fears for his safety. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me! Oh, I just can't wait to tell my friends about you! Especially Hamburglar! Won't he be surprised? Oh, but you can't tell anyone! Please! It's not safe! The townspeople want to capture me! I mean, not that it matters. He could just swim away, right? Like, he doesn't have to stay in this specific location. So she agrees to keep the promise, and then this happens. Bye-bye, birdie! And don't forget, I'm your little secret! No one knows about me! Ugh, thanks for keeping your word! It's super important that you keep the secret! Don't know why I'm yelling this lonely if I don't want to be found! Remember, you promised to keep the secrets. Anyways, Bertie is conflicted when the McNuggets accidentally activate the robot, which causes it to go on a rampage. The reason she's conflicted is she promised not to reveal the secret, but knows the monster could help. Luckily, Ronald saw the whole situation and says this. Bertie, don't you think maybe it's time we ask the real monster to give us a hand? What real monster? There is no real monster. You're not breaking any secrets, Bertie. I saw you talking to him. Dad? Ronald McDonald, why didn't you say something? I know how to keep a secret, too. Kind of weird muddling of the moral here. You know, it's okay to break a secret if others know about it, but only the people who know about it already? Also, it's not like she tells anyone else how to find him. She just begs him to come to town to help. So we've gone from keep secrets if friends ask you to, Two, it's okay to break secrets if it means helping people, but don't worry, a secret was never broken in the first place. Really drop the ball on this one, guys. Regardless, the day is saved. The townsfolk now realize the monster is not a monster, and he becomes a valued member of society. They all go home, and we get a wrap-up to the mystery of the monster from the beginning. Monster! Monster! Oh, you mean Bernie! It is an honor to be here with the courageous workers at McDonald. We then get one final send off from Ronald and the announcer sums up all the adventures we've had ending with this. So keep watching, there's another wacky adventure coming soon. But 
unfortunately, there would be no more wacky adventures with Ronald McDonald. Overall, I liked the music in this one. It was nice getting to see the Nazis scared silly in the form of the car's return and references to the far-flung forest again. But I still think this is a rather weak entry. This isn't a factor of seeing it for the first time, though. At least I don't think so. The main problem is first with the evil scientists and their robot is completely separated from the main characters until it gets loose at the very end. Their search for the monster and involvement with the robot is 100% removed from the Ronald and the rest of the gang. That's bad when your main characters have literally no idea of the plot going on around them. Second, the most important thing is the moral. Trust is a huge lesson we have to teach kids, and it's a damn important one. So to bungle it this badly with half-baked loopholes and inconsistencies makes it worthless. Overall, this is a pretty meh way to finish off the series. I give it two robo-monsters out of five. So where does that leave us with the series as a whole? Overall, these things were a lot better than they needed to be. These were essentially 40-minute commercials that were meant to ingrain brand loyalty to McDonald's in the hearts of children. They got top-notch animators in Klasky Chupo, who were dominating the children's animation market at the time, got the Devo guys for the most part to do catchy and creative songs, and came up with some pretty decent stories. Now, the quality of said stories were wildly consistent, at times going from great products to meh to let us not talk of birthday world. Basically, what I'm saying is, I'm glad I had these growing up, and apparently I wasn't the only kid who felt that way. These tapes were apparently incredibly popular, with Wikipedia even saying that some McDonald's locations couldn't keep up with the demand. A simple eBay search shows that these tapes are very commonplace, with the exception of the last one, which again was released in small numbers. With this much effort put into it and its overwhelming popularity, that leads to the baffling thing with this series. McDonald's didn't know what to do with it. Outside of the tapes and a single set of Happy Meal Lego vehicles with the depictions of the characters on the front released in 1999, they never did anything else with them. No toys at Toys R Us, no weekly show, no commercials with this style, no video game. Just a couple times a year for a while, we'd get these tapes. Then you get a few years off, then we got a couple more, and they were never heard from again. And that's the sad thing with these specials. Most people I've told about the series while making this episode had never even heard of it, or if best, only vaguely recalled it. With how popular it seemingly was, it's insane to me that it's kind of a haze around it. But, you know, for whatever reason, McDonald's chose not to capitalize it, and it just faded into semi-obscurity. Just a small blip on early 2000s pop culture. Worse, with Ronald's pseudo-retirement due to that creepy clown craze back in 2016, future kids won't even have the same connection to him that we had when we were growing up. And I doubt we'll ever see something like this again. Now, maybe that's a good thing, as America continues to fight obesity, that we try not to ingrain brand loyalty in the hearts of children. Still, there is something enjoyable with these tapes, and they'll always be a sentimental part of my childhood. Well, there you have it. A over 50 minute long look at the straight to Happy Meal VHS tapes for the wacky adventures of Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Did it need to be this long? No. Am I happy I spent this much time doing it? No. Are the Jakes happy they got some time off? Probably. Anyways, this has been your very own Andrew, and I'm hoping to see you live and in person next time at McDonald's. Get it? It's like what Ronald said at the end of each VHS tape. Oh, wait, I didn't show that. Now, good morning in McDonald's land. Let's see you.